Welcome. I'm glad you guys made it through all the snow and all the rain and everything else that, that you had to overcome to get here tonight. Uh, I am Aaron. I'm one of the, the pastors in town of, of a lot of good churches in town. Uh, I pastor Church Project, and I just want to let you guys know that uh, though you may not know it, you have a whole church that is behind you and, and praying for you. Uh, we truly believe in Josh and Julie Baker and the, the leadership here and, and Megan and, and all the leaders that are here and running crew. And so know that you got a bunch of old people that are praying for you, believing what God's doing here. And, and I, I think back in my, my young days, a college lad, and uh, they were quite fun. Uh, they were a lot of fun, actually. And so you know that, that you have a church behind you and you got multiple churches behind you that are praying for you. That The moment that you're in right now, uh, all, the, all the things that you're experiencing, all the things that you're learning, we're praying that you'll be here. We're praying that God will um, encounter you in a real way. Whether you know it or not, I want to tell you this, this fact. That God loves you. Period. That's it. I don't know how... You find yourself today as you come in this place. Maybe you're, you're struggling with God. You're fighting with God. Um, maybe you're madly in love with God. Um, who, who knows how you find yourself here today. But the fact is, God loves you. Uh, and don't let the world whisper anything beyond that. Uh, today, what I want to talk about, I didn't know this was supposed to be my best message. <laughs> It's, it's, it's an okay message. I've given this message a whole lot. I used to speak at camps, and I've given this message multiple times, and I just have to warn you. What's your name? David. David. It's going to get really awkward really fast, and I apologize <laughs> for that, okay? Is that okay? Uh, but you know what? I, I look at all my messages uh, that, that I've given throughout the years, and I, I pretty much leave every message going, well, I kind of bombed that one. I don't know that I've ever really said, man, I, I nailed that one. Nailed it. I don't think I've ever said that. I think I've left just going, uh, I don't know that I really articulated what I wanted to articulate. Because here's, here's the bottom line. If you've read the Bible, if you've encountered this relationship, this love affair with, with Jesus Christ and with God, how are we supposed to articulate that with human vocabulary? It's like I am... I am restricted by my vocabulary. I'm limited by my vocabulary. And I try. I try my very best. And even tonight, I'll try my very best with words to just articulate what brings goosebumps to my arm and and, and warmth to my heart. I want to try to articulate God's love to you as we sit here tonight. And so, as awkward as it may be, would you just, just, let's just take a moment of silence and... Just quietly yourself, say, God, please give this guy up front some words, your words to speak. Just pray for me for a second. Amen. Thank you. So I want to jump right into Scripture. And I think, Angie, you have a PowerPoint. I think it's John 21, 4 through 13. It's a big chunk of passage, but the story here is absolutely incredible. And so I talked with someone who does theater. I don't know where she's at, but who is that? Anyways, hi, welcome. Uh, 
Look at this as like a, a theater performance. I mean, look at this as a story. And so let's read John chapter 21, verses 4 through 13. You can open your Bibles or open up your version, or you can just look on the screen. I'm going to read through this first, and I want to begin to pick apart what I think God wants to tell and show each and every one of us here in this room tonight. So John chapter 21, 4 through 13, this, and I'm reading the ESV version. This is what it says. Just as day was breaking... Jesus stood on the shore. So there's water on the shore. Picture it. Start picturing it in your mind. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple, whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. By the way, did you catch that? Naked dude fishing. Let's go on. I digress. For he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, or came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. If you're into highlighting your Bible, that would be a good thing to highlight. Come and have a breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. So there's the story. Do you get it? Do you see it in your mind, what's, what's happening? Can I give you a little backstory, though? And this is why I chose this message today. The backstory is, if you know the backstory to this, we're talking about... Peter. Peter. What did Peter do in the previous chapters of your Bible, in this previous story? What did he do just not long ago? Peter, one of the disciples that followed with Jesus, that walked with Jesus, that camped with Jesus, that saw Jesus do miracles. Peter, remember the guy, the disciple that walked on water? Peter, this incredible man that walked with Jesus, what did he just end up doing a little bit ago? He marches with Jesus as he goes to get crucified, and Jesus is about to be crucified. And this this little girl looks at Peter as Jesus was getting arrested and getting beaten. This little girl looks at, at Peter, the strong disciple of Jesus Christ, and says, don't you know Jesus? And Peter says, no. And what's he continue to do in the next moments? He denies that he even knows Jesus three times Then the rooster crows. This was forecasted. Jesus had told Peter that it was going to happen to him. So as soon as the rooster crowed, Peter just went away in agony saying, I just did what Jesus said I was going to do. Denied him. Walked away. So why is this story so important? How would you like to be Peter? 
The moment you hear the rooster crowing, the moment you turned away from this guy that you love, that you serve, the one that you call your Lord, your Messiah, how would you feel when that rooster crowed as you denounce that you know Jesus for the third time? I don't know about you, but I would be filled with guilt. I'd be filled with shame. I would walk away depressed. So Peter, this Peter right here, the one in our story right here, this Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, this Peter, the one who probably walked away in guilt after denying Jesus, this Peter right here, the one who didn't think it would turn out this way. Like As Peter's walking with Jesus, he's not saying it's going to turn out like I want to deny Jesus and, and walk away in shame. He's not thinking that. It's not supposed to turn out this way. This Peter... This Peter right here, the one who decided to just go back to fishing when his plans didn't work. Right? I mean, think about it. What were they saying about Peter back home and in his hometown when he was walking with Jesus and all these miracles were happening? They were probably thinking, man, Peter's going to be famous. He's going to amount to huge, big things. He's walking with Jesus. But he just had to go back to fishing. That was his old life. This is the Peter right here, the one that had so much potential, but yet denied Jesus. This is the Peter that wished he could have a redo. Any of you ever wish you could have a redo? (laughs) This is the Peter right here that's a lot like me, filled with guilt and shame. Any of you ever experienced guilt and shame? I did. The first time I can really remember guilt and shame is when I flipped my mom off in the third grade. It was awesome. She wouldn't let me watch, like, I don't know, Smurfs. Remember Smurfs? Something. Something like that. So I I ran outside like like a little third grade boy is supposed to do and shut the door and ran out in the middle of the street and turned around and double-barreled my mom. But she didn't see it. She was inside. I was just that bold. Take it, Mom. I can't actually do it, but picture it, okay? And then immediately after I flipped her off in the middle of the street, the little third grade me started crying. And I ran inside and opened the door. And my mom was like, what, did you just get bit by a dog? I'm like, no, I flipped you off. Like, just filled with guilt that I had flipped my mom off. I don't actually think, well, I didn't know what that actually meant. I just knew it was bad. So, third grade, I started getting filled with, with guilt and shame. It didn't stop there, by the way. It went on to high school. And, and you know, I, I really wanted to impress my dad. My dad's a great godly man. I wanted to impress my dad. And, and in high school, I was, I was a pretty good wrestler for, for two-way. Yeah, so I was, I was a pretty good wrestler. In my senior year, though, my dad moved away. His job moved him away to four hours from the town that, that we were from. So my senior year, it was like my world was changing so much that I didn't know what to do. My dad wasn't in the picture. He was working four hours away. And, and I, you know, I had so many emotions and stuff. I ended up quitting wrestling and then joining back to wrestling again. And this year, I'm supposed to win state. I'm supposed to take state. And, and I, quite frankly, I barely even made it to state my senior year. And I was just torn. Why? Why? Because I realized I was wrestling more for my dad than I was for me. I didn't want to let my dad down. I didn't want to feel guilt and shame of disappointing him. Any of you ever been there? Then I went to college. Hey, welcome to college. I was pretty good looking. 
Not as good looking as I am now, but I was pretty good looking. In my freshman year of college, I, I wore a tie. Not because it was cool and hipster-like. It was just, it's just what I did. I wore a tie, and uh, I worked really, really hard. I made some pretty good grades that year. I was, I was like, I'm, I'm achieving. I'm, a, I'm an achiever. Went to Liberty University. Everyone, anyone ever heard of that? No? Flamers? That's what they are. Oh, flames. Not flamers. Okay. Went to Liberty University. My second year and my sophomore year, I go back, and, and, and I'm trying to get the, the good grades and wear the tie, but it just it was too tight, so I unloosened it a little, started having a little fun. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of fun? Started having a little bit of fun, and, and I realized on one phone conversation that I was going to college more to please my parents than for me. So I quit. By the way, don't, don't go quote me on this. Don't go quit college. Don't. Please don't. Well, maybe. Let's get off that. <laughs> but I was going to college, not for me. I was going to please my parents. Here's the bottom line. I didn't want to carry the guilt of letting them down. Anyone ever like that? I didn't want to carry the shame of letting others down, so I performed. I'm a pretty good performer. Because I... Don't want to let people down. Yeah, but that wasn't it. That, that wasn't it. It continued on in my life. Yeah, in college, I was just a young punk, so I'm able to make bad mistakes, right? Don't quote me on that either, okay? But let's fast forward. Let's fast forward 10 years. Now I'm married, and I have two kids, two girls, and so I'm supposed to be grown up, and I'm supposed to be responsible. And I'm so worried about what others would say that I worked my butt off at, at said church where funny story happened. I worked my, my butt off at, at, at this church and, and I outperformed everyone on staff. Why? I was addicted to performance. I was addicted and my whole life had become uh, this thing where I didn't want to let people down and I hated carrying guilt and shame for my lack of actions or my poor actions or bad choices. Anyone ever made bad choices? Some of you may need to stop performing for others as we sit here tonight. Will there really you step forward? I really want to bust into a Slim Shady song. Is that Slim Shady? Is that Eminem? Is that Will Slim Shady? Never mind. I get distracted easily. But next week, Angel Flores is here, and he's an awesome communicator, so make sure you're here. Anyways, let me get back to this, okay? The world desperately needs you to be who God has created you to be. Can I just say that? The world desperately needs you to be who God has created you to be. Can we watch you do your thing? Like, can we partake in, in you doing your thing? That thing that just, you know, you, you come alive in? The thing that you're not doing to please your parents or to impress other people or because you're scared of guilt and shame? That thing right there? The thing that gives you goosebumps and brings you alive? Can we just watch you do that thing? Be that person? Can we share in the joy of you being alive? Can we walk with you as you're alive? As you dance and jump and sing and study and laugh. And as you try and you look ridiculous because you failed, but you don't even care that you failed and you look ridiculous because you are coming alive. 
and being who God has created you to be. And it's okay to look ridiculous, to not worry what others are thinking, how they're judging you. Don't worry about that. I don't know all the Bible. I don't know all the Bible, but I do study it about 20 hours a week or more. Um, I'm in seminary, so I'm I'm smart. (laughs) I'm in the Bible a whole lot. I did some some numbers right before I came here. And on the conservative side of things, I've given over 700 messages uh, in in my life as a pastor. 700, that's a lot of words. I should be hoarse by now. Yikes, that's a lot. Out of all those messages, out of all the study, and out of all this smart cementarian stuff, the Bible that I know says this, that God has handcrafted you for greatness. And I'm going to say a kind of bad word. And that pisses Satan off. Sorry, was I not supposed to say that? I told you I would. (laughs) Satan gets mad at that. That Satan wants to make you a performer, by the way. And he can make you an overachiever. He can put you in large, large places. I found myself in in charge of thousands of people. In a church. Overperforming. Driven by guilt and shame. Or Satan can do the complete opposite. He's not going to make you a performer. He's going to make you an underperformer, an underachiever. And he, he gets the same results either way. Because you're driven by what? Guilt and shame, not out of identity of what God, who God has created you to be. So that guilt and that shame will drive your life. And Satan knows he's doing a good job because he's derailed you. Some of us in this room, we may, we may be dealing with that right now. Some way, shape, or form. You say, all right, a little backwards. Have you ever done something wrong? In the last hour, have you done something wrong? God's standing and his, his arms are open to you and he goes, I love you. And know that you're not perfect. Come to me. Ask, ask forgiveness of this great big thing. And guess what I'm going to do to it? I'm going to wave it bye bye. Everyone wave it goodbye. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's that, that movie, the Elf movie. Bye-bye. No, literally. Wait, bye-bye. No one watches Elf. Yeah, I do. I love Elf. Bye-bye. So next time you watch Elf, bye-bye, bye-bye. Think, think about, what? Oh, kicking and screaming. I knew it was that funny guy. Kicking and screaming. Yeah, bye-bye. Wait, wait, bye. No, really, bye-bye. Yeah, wait, bye-bye. She, my wife should come up and say that because, yeah, she has it memorized. So thanks for correcting that. Thank you. Wow, what was I even saying? I was saying this. That sin that, that comes up, you go, you confess it to God, and God goes, bye-bye, I don't even remember it anymore. It's gone. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Focus on Christ. Here's the deal. With the, look at this passage we just read. I set all this up to say, Peter. We're Peter. We, we've denied Christ multiple times. And what does Jesus do in this passage that we just read? Peter, filled with guilt and shame, 
returns back to his fishing life because he doesn't know what else to do. He's thinking, how did I deny Christ? How I saw his greatness and all that, and I, I let my friend down, and his life is just in destruction mode, and Jesus knows this, and we come to this passage right here, and what does Jesus want to do with Peter? What does he call him to do? Jesus says, hey, Peter, put some clothes on, and then... <laughs> Come have breakfast with me. Hey, Peter. I know that that guilt and that shame has driven you. And I don't care. Bye-bye. Would you come to shore? Would you sit with me? I just want to have breakfast with you. There's the awkward part. actually transform your life as bowl of Cheerios because it's healthy for the heart. <laughs> Think about Peter though. Think what breakfast meant for him that morning. And the thing that he wished he could have a redo with the worst mistake of his life. And Jesus shows up and he knows that. And he says, Peter, I don't even forget about that. I just want to sit with you. I just want to have breakfast with you in this moment. Like, just, just, just be with me. And if you've ever had breakfast at someone else's house, it's kind of that, that intimate thing, right? Like, you don't have breakfast at everyone's house. Why? Because you have bad breath. You don't want to show people your Scooby-Doo pajamas, you know. Your hair's all over the place. But it's kind of cool when you have breakfast at a friend's house and you're okay really kind of not talking because you both are bitter. 
not morning people or whatever, you're a little tired and it's okay. It's okay just to be there and it's okay just to be yourself. You, ladies, you don't even have makeup on. Oh my goodness. But it's okay to have that breakfast, to be in that company, in that intimate setting. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, it's not about what you've done. It's about who you are and who I am and what I've done. That's what we're celebrating at Easter this weekend. It's about that relationship. Now, Peter, jump off the boat and get on the shore with me because I've built a fire. I have fish and I have bread and I want to sit with you and I want to have breakfast with you. So I'm going to invite Everyone in this room. <laughs> you were still waiting? I thought, I'm like, you're taking forever, man. No, like, no, you're like, do I pour, not pour milk? No, no. I'm going to invite everyone in this room to go and get a bowl of, of cereal if you would like to partake. And I hope that breakfast, yeah, go ahead. I hope that breakfast from this point forward, literally breakfast from this point forward, especially if you like cereal, will forever remind you that it's not about performing, it's about the relationship, and it's about how God restored a broken man on a beach and wanted to have breakfast with him just like he wants to have breakfast with us. So we're going to move into a time of some some, uh, conversations. I think we have five questions that you can talk about at your table, but I'll invite you whether now you can go get your breakfast, you don't have to by the way, or during the worship or whatever time may feel right for you, you can go and get breakfast and I hope that this always brings you to the point of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you that uh, now we are not defined by guilt and shame. Our identity is not found in what, how we've overachieved or underachieved. It's not found in our great victories or our great defeats, but it's, a found, it's found, our identity is found in you, period. In the deal, in the game. And I pray that if there's anyone in this room, but they don't know you, and they don't have a relationship with you, that even in this moment, they would press in and say, God, show yourself to me, please. Because I know that right now, nothing is fulfilling. I mean, what I thought would be fulfilling is not fulfilling and it's empty. And God, I want to know how much you love me. I want to know how big you are. So I pray if you are wondering who God is, that you would ask him. Say, God, show me who you are and show me how much you love me. And then I say, be prepared. Because He's going to pursue you and He is pursuing you. He does love you. You are His beloved. You, he loves you. Not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. God, thank you for tonight. In your name we pray. Amen.